Hello, everybody. Hello, hello. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. I'm Dan, your friendly fishmonger at dancefish.com. We do this live stream every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. That's 9 Eastern for those that don't know where the mountains are. And we just geek out on fish. So today I'm going to start with a shipping report. I'll let you know how everything we sent out last week did. And then uh, some exciting news about Nigeria. Looks like that import is going to happen. We have an amazing giveaway tonight. Um, not only will we be giving away the scuds that we planned on doing, but about 10 minutes before this live stream started, I got a message from Rock and Fish that said that they've, they, what do you call a YouTube channel? That Dave from Rock and Fish would like to donate a hundred dollar gift certificate. So, in addition to the scuds, there's also going to be giveaway for a hundred dollar gift certificate to dancefish.com, where you can buy lots of cool fishies. So, Dave, thanks for doing that. Um, I appreciate that, and I'll get into that in just a minute. But let's start, as we always do with the shipping report. I'm glad to say that there were no problems since I last talked to you. In fact, the only problem that we've had in several weeks was two weeks ago, I believe it was, um, I sent Rico stands, some Roseline barbs, and one of them was pretty skinny, and I just somehow missed it before I sent them to him. Usually I'm pretty good at, at catching all that stuff, but I missed a skinny one and I sent it to him and I was pretty worried because he did a, Rico Stan did a unboxing video and on the video I could see it. I was like, oh man, yeah, that fish was way too skinny. I checked in with Rico though a couple days ago and it looks like we might be okay. It looks like the little bugger is uh, eating well, schooling with the other Roseline barbs and starting to fatten up. So we might be okay. Um, I feel real bad that I made an error like that. I'm pretty close to error-free, but I guess I'm human and on the bell curve of screw-ups, I'm, I'm at one end or the other, <laughs> hopefully the less screw-up end. Um, but the good news is it looks like we won't have to count that as a casualty because it uh, looks like the little guy's recovering and going to be just fine. So I'm happy to report that. So that means it's been, I don't know. Has it been six weeks or more since someone has reported uh, a problem with fish that they've received from us? I think I think that might be the case. So I'd have to go back and look. But anyway, I'm glad to report that there have been no problems since I last talked to you. And I was a little nervous because I sent some. Um, let me show you this fish, uh, Melanotania caladiri. These guys. Let's see here. I can find it somewhere. Where did I find it? There was a great picture of these. Here it is. So I sent a, a few of these out to a customer. And this, this customer, I don't know if you guys remember, but several months ago, I got a shipment of Caladirian like this. Really beautiful angel, uh, angel fish, rainbow fish. But the group had an issue. And... Um, Basically, I would feed the rainbows, and whenever they ate, they would go into seizures. And it wasn't all of them, but it was uh, this one specific one at this group. And there was a customer that tried to buy that fish, and basically, before it manif started manifesting the, sh the seizure activity, they placed an order because the fish looked good. And then 
as I was prepping the fish and doing my inspection, I noticed, hey, that fish is a little odd. So I emailed them and I'm like, hey, that thing's looking a little odd or it's acting a little strange. So I need to wait before I send it. So, you know, canceled that off the order. Sat on it for a couple of weeks to make sure that was I just seeing things? Was it actually a problem? Listed it for sale again. This customer tried to buy it again. Had a problem right before I sent it, right? This happened, I think, three times. Uh, the last time it was that weird thing where I fed the fish and it started seizuring every time it ate. There's a video of it on my YouTube channel. Very bizarre. I've never seen that behavior before. Literally, if the fish would be totally fine and then I'd feed it and as soon as it grabbed a mouthful of food, it would trigger a seizure and the fish would seizure out and then it would recover and be fine, right? Um, obviously, I couldn't sell a fish like that. I found it a good home though. Kayla's Aquatics. Um, gave it a good home. So it all ended happily. But um, I'm happy to say I was pretty nervous <laughs> because this poor customer has been trying to get these fish for so long, but I was able to send them Monday. This is a new batch. Um, well, it's, it's, it's a month old now or something like that, but it's not the old batch, I guess. Um, they're all doing good. They're rock solid. They're big and beautiful. I was able to send this customer a couple of them. They arrived good. They're doing great. So I was a little nervous about that Monday just because this poor customer has had such a saga trying to get this species, but I think we accomplished it. So, um, yeah. And if you're looking for a big, beautiful rainbow fish and you don't want to wait forever for the fish to, um, grow up and mature and finally get its color because rainbow fish take quite a while to color in. Um, those guys, they're all males. They're big, beautiful males. They are three to four inches right now. So they've got their good color on them. Um, and I think there's 15 of them for sale. And normally that's a really expensive fish. Um, but I, I got a fairly decent price on them. So I'm able to sell them for um, $34.50, which for a big three to four inch rainbow fish is not bad if I say so myself. So anyway, that's Melanotania species Caladiri. That's the only thing this week where I was like a little nervous about it just because this poor customer, again, has been waiting forever, but we were able to do it. We got it done. So glad that was successful. Okay. That's the shipping report. Let's get to the giveaway. Today's giveaway, besides the $100 gift certificate, is scuds. For those that don't know what scuds are, they're also called amphipods. They're these little, like, proto-shrimp, I guess you could call them. Little shrimp-like organisms. They look a little bit... Hang on, I gotta turn off my furnace because it's uh, gonna make a lot of noise and get me real hot. Just have one second. Sorry, usually I remember to do that before I live stream. Today I forgot. But anyway, there are these little, like, quarter-inch shrimp, if you will, that are really prolific, really hardy, and fish love to eat them, and they do a very good job keeping a tank free of algae. So, basically, if you have a planted tank and you put a few of these in, I think they're going to do a good job keeping your plants free of algae. Now, <clears throat> the only issue you can have with these guys is that their populations can explode. 
So if there's a ton of food in there, they can multiply really quickly. And suddenly you have so many of them in your tank that they're out competing your caradina or neocaradina shrimp. That's like crystal red shrimp or cherry shrimp. Um, or they're devouring your java moss. They don't devour most plants in my experience, but mosses they really like to eat. So the trick with them is to keep population under control. So if you have a planted tank and you have a couple fish in there so they can just nibble on them and help keep the population under control, then I think they're a really good addition to keeping a plant. They'll eat anything that's kind of decaying. They'll eat all kinds of algae. Um, so I think they're, they're good little gardeners, if you will. Just keep the population under control. So that's what um, we'll be giving away for the first giveaway. And then a little later tonight, we'll do the $100 gift certificate, uh, which is provided by... Dave from Rock and Fish. So I'm gonna link Dave's channel here because throwing down a hundred bucks for you guys, we should promote Dave a little bit as a thank you, right? So this is Dave's um, YouTube channel. And what I like about what Dave's doing and has been doing for a while, so he's got a lot of videos now, is he's just doing these short little videos where you just get to see a fish. So let's say you wanna buy a fish and you've got online and you've seen these gorgeous pictures that are perfect and probably photoshopped and you're like, yeah, that's what I want, right? What I like about what Dave does is you can go here and you can be what's an Apollo shark really look like? And I don't think Dave will mind if I just play a little clip of this real quick. Um, so there you go. You're going to be like, okay, that's what an Apollo shark actually looks like swimming around in a tank if um, if it isn't like really special lighting and, and camera effects and all that stuff. So you, so you can go through Dave's channel here and click on different fish. He's got lots of them on here and see what's that really look like, right? If it's not like the perfect picture and get a sense of it. So that's, that's one thing that I really appreciate about what Dave's doing. So we'll get to that in a bit though. Thanks again, Rock and Fish for that. But for the Scuds, if you'd like to win the Scuds, then the giveaway is hashtag the number four HC Aqua because this giveaway is for HC Aqua. <laughs> so hashtag the number four and then the letters H-C-A-Q-U-A. Hopefully that's simple enough that it doesn't get candy mad at me, but I couldn't resist. So hashtag the number four, HC Aqua, because we all know how much Jesse from HC Aqua loves scuds. <laughs> so this was for you, Jesse. <laughs> Not everyone likes scuds. Um, yeah, especially the population booms, they, they can be an issue. I like them though. My puffers love them. And um, yeah, they're just so good at it. Whenever I have an algae infestation on my plants, I just take the plant out of the tank, put it in the scud tank for a couple days. The scuds clean off all the algae, pick up the plant, put it back in the tank. And it's great. You know, it's, it's a nice way to help the plants not get just overwhelmed by algae. So I really like them. All right. <clears throat> I have an update from Nigeria. Um, I received a message from Nigeria Monday that the fish are definitely coming this week. I got the airway bill 
And then I got the confirmation um, today that they're actually on the plane. So they should be arriving tomorrow. So tomorrow morning, bright and early, I've got to jump in a car and go out of state down to Colorado and go pick them up. So it's going to be real quick. I'm probably not going to be able to stop and see anyone I'd like to. But this was all kind of like sudden. So for those that don't know the story, I've been trying to get fish from Nigeria since... March of 2020, I think. So a little over a year now. I literally had an order placed in two days before they were supposed to be sent to me. COVID shut Nigeria down is what happened. This was back in 2020, March of 2020, maybe it was February. Um, And so basically I've been waiting for a year, a little over a year, for the situation to change to where they can actually send me the fish. And um, we finally found a flight that works. We gave in, it's very expensive. We wanted to wait until Delta Airlines could do it because they're a lot more cost efficient, but they're just still not shipping live cargo at this time. So um, we're going with Lufthansa, but uh, got it all worked out. And so they are, yeah, they're coming into the United States uh, tomorrow. But anyway, after a year of waiting and going back and forth and back and forth and having um, the exporter tell me, I think it'll be a couple weeks, like time and time and time again. And this is no shade on the exporter. I actually really like this guy. He's honest. I've worked with him before, um, does a good job. But he was just going off what he was hearing from the airlines or from the government of when Nigeria would open up or when cargo would go again on the airplane, all that stuff. Right. So it kept being like, yeah, in a couple of weeks in a couple of weeks. So this time when they said, yeah, we can do it. I was kind of like, okay, maybe, but uh, you know, <laughs> they've cried wolf so many times that I, I wasn't, I didn't make any special plans cause I've done that in the past and just been disappointed. So, um, yeah, this time and they're like, yeah, it's coming. I was like, okay. Yeah. And then they sent me the airway bill. I was like, oh, it's actually happening. So I've been kind of scrambling uh, since Monday because uh, I have to do the normal shipping and care and stuff, but also clearing tanks and getting stuff all ready for this unexpected import, even though I've been expecting it for over a year. <laughs> it's, it's been a saga. Um, I'm not going to go over the list of what is coming in yet. Here's what I've decided. Um, I think I'm going to hold off on going over import lists of what I'm bringing in until the live stream before I actually list them for sale. And the reason is this, what happens is if I tell people what's coming in, uh, you know, before they arrive or right when they arrive, well, let's say before they arrive, let's say I went over the list today and I go pick them up tomorrow. Often what I order, um, isn't what I'm sent. So people get excited about fish and then they don't arrive. They they ship something else that is similar, not even similar sometimes. Right? So I don't want the customer to experience that disappointment of, Oh, I thought you were getting these in. When are you going to get them again? And and it just starts all this, this email chain that, um, that I understand because people are excited and I'm glad about that. But I think we could eliminate a lot of extra email back and forth and, a lot of disappointment if we wait until the fish actually arrive and are ready to go. So, and the other thing, let's say the fish arrived yesterday 
And so I know they're hearing what I have and I could go over the list, but then what starts happening, because I do a two week quarantine. So if they arrived yesterday, they wouldn't be listed for sale for two weeks from yesterday, right? So if I went over the list today of, let's say this order came in yesterday, then I get a bunch of emails from people that are like, okay, could you hold me these? And I want those and I'll pay now, just hold them. And, and I don't want to do any of that. Um, basically how it needs to work is here's what we've got. It'll be listed in a couple days. And then I, I list it and people can, can buy it if they want. First come, first serve, just keeps it simple. And it's not that I don't want to do that for people um, to be like, okay, I'll hold them for you and all that, but it's just completely unmanageable at scale. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, um, so I'm just trying to cut out all that extra stuff and keep things as efficient as possible because I'm honestly getting to the point where I'm uh, so busy just trying to keep up and get the warehouse project done and make sure the next airport airport import is is lined up and all that stuff that um, I've got to trim out the stuff that makes inefficiency. Now, that doesn't mean that I won't respond to your emails. It doesn't mean that I'm going to let customer service slip and stuff. It's just like I can't keep track of, okay, this person wanted three of those and this person wanted four of those and this person wants, you know, and all that when they aren't even ready for sale yet. And, and let's say it's something, uh, I mean, this doesn't usually happen, but let's say that something horrible happens and someone reserved a whole bunch of a fish species. And then it's like, oh, I didn't know they came in with some kind of horrendous parasite that didn't manifest until a week after they got here or something like that. And now I can't sell them. It's just this whole thing. So, so that's what I'm doing. Um, I'm going to wait until the live stream before they're released to say what came in because by then things will be through quarantine. I'll know what I have. Um, and they'll be ready within a, a couple days to be listed for sale. So I think that'll just be better for everybody. So that's, that's how we're handling that from here on out. Um, one thing about, I want to scroll up and to see how many people wanted scuds here. I'm just curious. Okay, not too bad. 88 folks went in for the scuds. Let's see if HC Aqua's on here. Come on, HC. <laughs> not just teasing. <laughs> Come on, Jesse. <laughs> this one's for you, man. <laughs> um, anyway, that's what's going on in my neck of the woods. So we'll, we'll do the scud giveaway in a little while and then do the $100 giveaway after that. So... Let's hear what's going on in your neck of the woods. So if you have a question or comment for me, if you would just put it in the chat, if you type at symbol Dan's fish and then leave your comment after you select Dan's fish from the pop-up list, then it will highlight in bright orange. It'll be a lot easier for me to find it. So um, that would be appreciated. And <laughs> sorry. <laughs> And, you know, ask me anything if it's related to fish. If you're trying to breed a fish, I can tell you uh, about several species. I've, I've bred many. Um, if you're trying to build a fish room, build lots of fish rooms, I can chime in and help with that. Um, there's a shipping fish I can help with, keeping fish, all that stuff. Um, there's a few things that I don't have any actual experience with. And then I'll just tell you, you know, look, I, I don't really know. Hopefully someone in the chat knows. But what we're trying to do here is give information that can be a 
actionable or at least point you in the right direction. So we're trying not to be just a general Facebook group where if you ask a question, you, you get an answer, but you have no idea if the person has experience or where they heard it from or, or the quality of the answer. And I'm not trying to bash all Facebook groups. There's a few out there like Angelfish Live or Rainbowfish Live and things that are really good. But, um, but what I'm trying to do is only give you an answer if I actually have experience or have read uh, research on it or something like that. So you kind of know the quality of the answer. So you can know if it's like, oh, okay, that's a good answer. Maybe I can actually act on that. Or if it's like, oh, that's a so-so answer. Maybe I'll look for some more feedback before I act, things like that. So I just ask that uh, all of us keep that in mind in chat. If we're answering a question that someone has, Let's try to um, give them actionable information that we actually know and not just repeat lore or things that we've heard over the years. Okay. So the first one is Alex Aquatic Animals. I bought some cherry shrimp, but they've been disappearing. Um, well, they do that, especially if there's any fish in the tank that, that might be snacking on them. They can climb out of a tank if you don't have a tight lid on. They they can absolutely climb out of the tank and disappear. Um, usually, if they're dying on you, you'll see little bodies, usually. They have kind of a heart shell, and they, they last a little while, and they turn this uh, kind of uh, whitish color, so they kind of stand out. So the good news is, if they're disappearing and you're not seeing little bodies, hopefully they're not just dine on you. They're also pretty good at hiding. If you have a lot of decoration or you have um, lots of plants or say some wood off in the corner or something, they're not really all about hiding, but if you only have a few of them and it's a well-planted tank, they can definitely kind of disperse and disappear on you a little bit. So I hope you find them. I hope they're doing well. Um, the good news is if you're not seeing little white bodies on the bottom, you're you're at least hopefully not having them die unless they're being eaten by something, which is a possibility. Fish Tank Barn throwing a $4.99 for the logo fund. Oh, I've got to show everybody this. Mike did this funny thing. So last week we were trying to get some feedback on the logo, and I think I've figured some things out. But um, <laughs> this is a... Uh, this is what Mike sent me after that stream. <laughs> he put this on the Get Gills Facebook page. So <laughs> this is the logo with the cowboy riding it. Just teasing me since I'm in Wyoming. But I thought that was hilarious. There it is. That's the logo. That's the one we're going with. No. <laughs> oh, I thought that was hilarious though. Thanks, Mike, for a good laugh. That was great. <clears throat> Just a moment. IHSPs throwing down a dollar forty nine. Thanks for the super chat. Always appreciated. Never required, but it does make my wife super happy when money falls from the sky. Alicia AS dibs on any pelvic acromas. Yeah, I did try to get some in. I, we talked about that last week. Um, I'll have to review the list. Well, I, I'll have to wait till they arrive to see if they actually sent them. But I did try to get the Sacramento in. Now it's it's in Africa right now. Um, it's the getting towards the wet season 
So there are some species I ordered that just, so here's what happens. They send you a list, right? And they never change the list, hardly ever. It's just, these are the fish accessible in our area, the areas we collect. Because this is Africa. This is not like Indonesia, where a lot of them are, are bred in aquariums and, and, and farmed, if you will, right? Um, in Nigeria, almost all the fish, maybe all the fish, are collected and shipped from the wild. So you place your order based on their list. But that doesn't mean that every fish is available to collect. Uh, there might be some habitats that are, you know, totally flooded. And so it's like, oh, they can't get to the fish. Or there might be some habitats that have totally dried up. It's like, oh, we can't get to the fish. We have to wait for the next rain. Um, so basically you order what you order. They go out and collect what they can actually get, which based on weather, based on lots of things, um, can 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 determine whether they can actually get it at that moment or not. And then they ship you what they can get. So I ordered, I think like 11 boxes of fish and I think they're only shipping me like seven because there's just certain stuff they don't have access to right now uh, because of weather, because of flooding, because of drying up, because of all those changes. So, but I did order the Sacramoni and uh, that's public acromus Sacramonti and hopefully they come in. Orange goes, how much for the entire shipment? Well, we can talk about that. <laughs> if you're starting a public aquarium and you need a Nigerian display, <laughs> we can talk about that. <laughs> I could give you 10 cents off. Lunatic Fringe, not good if you have a bad memory. Just asking for troubles, especially if you do not remember nothing or have dimension. Not good if you have a bad memory. Are you talking about, I think you're talking about when we were discussing um, what we ordered and the lists and stuff before they're actually through quarantine. Um, yeah, that could get confusing. Everett Co, do scuds eat green water? No, so they'll eat, in my experience, every kind of algae except for free-floating microalgae, which is what green water is. So anything attached to a surface they'll pretty much eat. Um, there are some very, very, I don't know what you call them, tough, I guess, like green spot algaes that grow on the glass that they'll keep trimmed down, but they can't actually get completely off the glass. You still have to scrub those. But almost all surface dwelling algaes, they'll eat. Um, hair algae, beard algae, brown algae, um, like diatom algae, um, pretty much all of them. But that free floating, suspended in the water column, microalgae that creates green water, that they don't eat. They're not a filter feeder. They're a surface grazer, if you will. Justin Mosley, can I have a dollar? Tell you what, Justin, if you send me $10 from PayPal, I will give you a dollar. Sound like a deal? <laughs> Get rid of the tenor and I'll send you a one-er. <laughs> okay, hang on, I'm scrolling because chat jumped. 
AI. Uh-oh, the robots have taken order, taken over. Chemical cycling a 120-gallon fresh water. Driftwood has white fluffy stuff growing on it. Should I be concerned? Nope, that's pretty normal. Um, in fact, a group of scuds would take care of that stuff real quick. So that stuff isn't... It's benign. It looks... We don't like the look of it, perhaps, but it's not something that's going to harm your fish. It's just something that grows on the wood, like some kind of water mold or something like that, but not nothing that hurts the fish, at least not in my experience. But it can be unsightly. There are fish that will eat on it. Snails will eat on it. Scuds will absolutely devour it. So, I mean, take a good-sized group of scuds in 120-gallon, but um, if you've got a good-sized group, it would be gone pretty quickly. Orange cones. Yeah, don't ask Dan what scissors... <laughs> <laughs> to use to trim his plants. Uh, and we got to do that. I'm way overdue for a trim. Um, but yeah, it's like the last thing on my list. <laughs> Anything that doesn't have to actually do with fish health or, um, or the, the running of the business, like anything that's just decorative, like trimming plants, it's pretty far down on the list right now. Alex Aquatic Animals, I don't see bodies and there's baby guppies and autosynclus with snails. I mostly have a lot of plants. Well, the guppies aren't going to eat them and the autosynclus aren't going to bother them. And I'm assuming with snails, we're talking about like ram's horn snails or something and not assassin snails. So hopefully they're just hiding somewhere. Let's see, did he say it was planted? Didn't say that. Okay. Um, and again, if you don't have a tight fitting lid, they can crawl out of the tank pretty easily. They don't always do that, but if there's some parameter off or something and they want to, you know, seek better waters, they'll climb right out. Michael Brandle, the EBAs arrived safe and look fantastic. Very healthy. Thanks again. Awesome. The electric blue Acaras. I'm glad you got them. Glad you like them. They, they really are turning into one of my favorite cichlids. I like them. I like a lot of the basically more peaceful stuff. African butterfly cichlids are great. I like rams, um, pelvic acromis, all those kind of small, peaceful uh, cichlids that you can keep in a community tank. I really enjoy. So I'm, I'm glad you got some. I hope they grow up and become a favorite for you as well. In fact, this guy and his lady here, are about to spawn again. They've been uh, bonded up for oh, a week and a half now, and they're starting to shimmy and dance for each other. And actually did a couple dry runs uh, yesterday. I saw them doing some dry egg lane runs. No eggs yet, but they're gonna go pretty soon. CPC Aquatics, hello Dan. Well, hello CPC Aquatics. About three months ago, I won six Pseudomugil for Cottis on your live stream, and I wanted you to know they are amazing. Still lively and gorgeous. Thank you so much. Hey, I'm glad to hear that. Glad they're doing well for you. And um, if it's been that long, they're probably grown up big enough that you're seeing their full color and they're probably displaying and everything. It's hard to beat a good pseudomugil fricatus for activity and color and behavior, especially if you have a few of them together and they're, they're sparring and displaying. Yeah, I like them too. There's something about that yellow on black that just makes them, that contrast is really nice. For those that don't, I know there's some newbies here, so. Yeah. 
Uh, Fricatus. <clears throat> I spelled Sudamugo a little wrong, but it'll still find it. So for those that don't know what we're talking about, there's this group of um, fish called blue eyes, which are very closely related to rainbow fish. They're in Australia and Papua New Guinea, and this is one of the species. And what I love about these is they have these, I call them cheerleader fish because they, they have these big fins right here. They're pectoral fins. And they're tipped in yellow, so they wave them around like cheerleaders with pom-poms. And then they have these yellow tips on their fins. And there's this kind of, it when they're really fired up, it's almost black against it. And it just makes that yellow stand off so nicely when they display that black on yellow. I, I like them a lot too. If you haven't experienced it, I, and I, I don't even have any of these for sale right now. I'm not like trying to push an item. They truly are just something you've got to experience. So at some point in your life, do yourself a favor, get a tank set up and get some pseudomilgo fricatus and um, yeah, hours of entertainment. They're, they're awesome. Crown Tail Half Moon. My electric blue rams are having marital issues <laughs> and only fighter and only fighting. Any advice if marriage counseling will work or is it divorce court time? So I don't know what size tank they're in and everything. The, the best thing I could say for rams is there's a couple things. One is make sure there's plenty of line of sight blocks. So if someone is getting hammered, they can get away and out of sight. So it isn't just a constant hammering, right? But the other thing is a lot of rams really pair bond based on competition. So it can help a lot if there's a couple of other rams in the tank that they can compete against. So they'll, they'll, they'll grab their little spawning site and they'll compete against all the other rams. And if they have that competition, it helps increase their pair bond because they're like together against the others, right? If you don't have that competition, the pair bond is, is harder to maintain. So you can do that by getting a few pairs of rams in a tank and they each select their own spawning sites and uh, kind of basically display and compete off each other. And that keeps the pair bonds pretty strong. Or you can have the spawning tank here and another tank next to it, another tank next to it, and have a pair in each tank, but have it so that they can see each other through part of the glass. So some of it's covered between the tanks, but there's enough left that if they swim in that particular spot, say a quarter of the length of the tank or whatever, from front to back, that um, they can see each other a few inches or something like that then they aren't in danger of actually beating up the other pairs, but they can see each other and, and they get the same kind of sense of competition. That's what I found the best way to spawn um, things like that. So same with the Caras, same with the Pistogramma, um, lots of species. It's that spawn in pairs. And I realize there's a Pistogramma that are harem spawners and all kinds of different methods. But for ones that are, are pair bond, bonded, um, give them some competition in some way so they have something to pull together against i guess is very helpful punchy paints good to see you pam i hope you're doing well 
Speaking of things falling from the sky, Dance Fisher, you're getting snow. We got about eight inches last night and more is currently coming. Nope. Um, we've been getting light dustings, but nothing significant. But I know that. So one reason I'm taking off really early tomorrow morning is because there's snow warnings right now through Cheyenne and the surrounding areas. And I have to drive through there. So um, there's basically winter advisories in, in place today and tomorrow. And it's it, it sounds like at least over where Punchy is that it hit last night. Yeah. And so, unfortunately, this this import's happening, <laughs> and so I've got to get down there. So I'm going to go. I give myself some extra time, so I'm driving in daylight, and um, I can go slow through Cheyenne. And I'll, I'll check the weather and things before I take off and check the map and all that. But I'm not looking forward to that. Uh, there's going to be 100 miles or a couple hundred miles where it's just going to be a little bit miserable. Yeah for sure. But it, we, we have some up here, but it's pretty light. But I know as soon as I get down into your neck of the woods, I'm going to be going slow. I've got a book on tape. I've got an extra blanket. I've got food. I've got water. Like, you know, I'm ready, but I'm not looking forward to it. That's the thing about Wyoming. It's like <laughs> the weather's the real deal here. You don't ignore it. <laughs> Swamp Thing throwing down five bucks. Happy to be the founding member of the Send Dan to Nigeria to make hang on <laughs> make a fix collection video fun. This will cover bug spray. All right. So apparently I'm going to Nigeria and uh, Swamp Thing is donating the bug spray. <laughs> Thanks, Swamp Thing. I appreciate you. Glad you're doing well. Let's see here. Rick Bunn asking, will scuds eat fish eggs? Would they be a good addition to a planted tank? I'm trying to spawn celestial pearl danios in. So Rick, yes and no. I've never had a problem with them eating fish eggs. I've never seen them do it. In fact, often when I take the plants out of a tank, there's just a lot of algae getting on the plants and I move them to the scud tank, I'll often see you know, a few days later, I'll see fry appear in the tank. So, um, in my experience, I haven't noticed it. That being said, those are usually things like rainbow fish and killifish and, um, I've had some mouth brooding bettas appear because I didn't know that they were in the plant when I moved it. <laughs> and then a bunch of babies appeared in the scud tank. So things like that. But I've never tried it with celestial pearl danios or um, danios in general or tetras kerosens or cyprinids, like those egg scatterers. So I'm not sure if it just works because rainbow fish and killifish have eggs are, have pretty hard, I don't I want to call them shells, but it's not that, pretty resilient membranes. And other fish that don't have that might get eaten. Like, I really don't know. I think it could be a problem for fish like catfish and kerosens in cyprinids fall in this category, maybe, where the eggs um, catch and are nothing but like this yolk sac with a little tail sticking out of it for a couple days. I wonder if at that moment the scuds would snack on that yolk sack, on that wriggler. Um, with killifish and rainbowfish, they're free swimming, and rice fish and all that, they're free swimming from the moment they hatch. 
So that might be the thing where some they do, some they don't. And that's my suspicion because other people have told me they eat fish eggs like crazy. I'm like, but I've got lots of babies appearing in all my tanks that have scuds in them. So I'm not sure. But my suspicion is maybe, totally untested, just just me thinking out loud here, that maybe um, fish that have harder shelled eggs or you know, more durable membranes and that the babies are free swimming upon hatching might do okay. Whereas ones that are wrigglers for a little while might not because they can't move and they're basically an exposed yolk sack for a few days. So that's, that's what I suspect. Oh no, Janice, I'm sorry. I just happened to glance at Janice Lundberg's comment to Candy here saying that she's okay, but, but that her husband has caught the virus. Janice, I'm so sorry to hear that. I, I hope he recovers quickly. Peepslaw sheep, 75-gallon, well-planted with wood and hardscape. Chili rasbora, chili, uh, cherry shrimp, not chili shrimp. Coolie loaches, autosinclus, and snails. Okay. Any suggestions for other nano companions to add to round things out? My first suggestion, Peepslaw sheep, is I don't know how many chili rasboras you have, but if you don't have a, a lot, increase that school. Um, once that school gets big enough to be comfortable, let's say, I don't know, 75 of them or so in a 75-gallon tank, um, 50, 75, something like that, they, they color up differently and they act differently, and it's just a treat to behold. So in a tank that size, um, my first suggestion would be just get a whole bunch more chili rasboras. Um, but apart from that or in conjunction with that, depending on how it's set up and your filtration and everything, I think a school of some kind of dwarf, um, like Corydoras, and I'm trying to think, it could be Hebrosis, it could be Histatus, it could be Pygmaeus, uh, one of those little ones, a nice school of those would be pretty awesome. Now, you could do a, a larger quarries, too. They're not going to, like, eat your chili rasboras or anything. But if you're going with, like, the small fish theme, uh, a small school of dwarf quarry of some sort or a large school would be awesome. And I, I don't know. I'd start with, like, 30 and see how you feel after that. They, they're really neat in a nice big group, and they want to be in a big group. So for me, if that was my tank, I'm just thinking, what would I do? I'd probably do a large group of chili rasboras, a large group of some kind of dwarf catfish, dwarf corridora. And then I'm trying to think of something just for the surface. Maybe it's a large group of like platinum wrestling half beaks or something like that. Um, I think that trying to figure out if those at full-grown size would be okay with your chili rasboras or if they start snacking on them. I think you'd be okay once they were all settled in, but there's a little, eh, there's a little maybe there. So maybe instead a bunch of like clown killies or rocket killies on the top, chili rasboras in the middle and pygmy quarries or some kind of dwarf quarry on the bottom. Yeah. That's what I'm going with. Large groups of all three of those. But, you know, that's just me. I like large groups of small fish in big tanks. Crown tail half moon. It's a pair of electric rams. Yeah. Oh, did I say like, hang on. 
What did I say? <laughs> but whatever I said, I was thinking Rams, even if I said something different. Um, yeah. Mickey M, seven Nigeria boxes are better than none. Yep. After a year plus of waiting, I'll take the seven for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm not complaining at this point. Um, do you know where the fish are collected? I do. I, I have location points for like the killifish and some of the others. There's a lot of fish where like the collection points aren't as important to fans of... I don't know, most fish really, but rainbows, killifish, wild type bettas. Um, there's a few where the collection point is really important, especially since the species um, are changing constantly. So you kind of have to know where you got it from because the name can change all the time. So the, 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 the location is the true identifier for some of these fish, like killifish, rainbows, and wild type bettas. But, um, can you ask them to further investigate possibilities for getting wild fish like sitting on a gold mine? I don't know about a gold mine, but they, they definitely get uh, wild fish in. And I, I guess I should talk about that a little bit. I know that for a lot of folks, the idea. Oh, chat jumped on me. Ooh. <laughs> Man, uh, chat jumped big time. So I'm going to scroll to the top and then I'm going to talk about wild fish a little bit. Oh man, I'm gonna have time to talk about wild fish. We've got all kinds of stuff I missed here. Okay, just real quick, I want to talk about this. Everett Cole, Co, I see you, you're next. Um, and this is a good time to bring this up. So for those that are new, when you type the at symbol in dance fish and it, it pops up and you select it, it highlights an orange for me here so that I can find it easily. So when I'm scrolling through chat, looking for questions and comments, I'm just looking for orange boxes. So if you could do that, I'm much more likely to get your question and comment. If you're like, why isn't he answering my question? It's probably because it's not highlighting for me because uh, you didn't do the at symbol dance fish. Or maybe you did, but you're on like an Android phone and it's not letting you, you know, that does happen. But anyway, wild fish. So let's talk about the seasonality of of the cycle. So like wet season, what happens is tons of rain comes down. This is what's happening right now in Nigeria. This happens in the Amazon and stuff. Um, lots of rain is starting right now to come to Nigeria, which means there's a lot of flooding. So they, they don't necessarily have like a cold season and a hot season. They have wet seasons and dry seasons. So all this habitat is flooded. There's tons of like the forests flood. There's tons of water and the fish population just booms because there's all this new habitat there's all this new nutrition being washed into this habitat that the fish can eat or that the organisms that the fish eat can eat right so you have this boom in population then the dry season comes all that evaporates and like what used to be i don't know 100 acres of water is down to like this little puddle right so you have massive die-off, and it just happens naturally. Uh, if, if humans didn't exist, this would happen every year or in some habitats twice a year. Sometimes there's a wet-dry and a wet-dry, two of each in a one-year period. Um, 
where fish populations boom and bust and boom and bust. So if you are collecting um, fish from the wild during the, the season, you're not impacting. Now, there are some species that it's, that's done wrong or that don't have a high fecundity, high reproduction, high uh, rebound population rate. But almost all the fish we get in the aquarium hobby from the freshwater side, I know almost nothing about saltwater, so I'm talking freshwater here, um, are adapted to really quickly building populations up again when the wet season comes. So the aquarium hobby has very little effect on population. We can collect a whole lot of fish and bring them to the aquarium hobby and enjoy them because they were just going to die anyway when the water dried up, basically. So I know there's this um, idea that collecting fish from the wild is going to impact their habitat. And it's like this knee-jerk reaction. The truth is there's very few species that we keep in the aquarium that are have populations that are negatively impacted by, um, I would say, by responsible collection for the aquarium trade. So if you're having that, that knee-jerk reaction, I would just encourage you to do some research, learn about the different um, organizations like Project Piaba is the one that comes to mind all the time, but there's some others as well that, ex that have studied this intensely and understand the life cycle because a lot of us have that reaction and I had it too and I think it's normal to have where it's like no we like fish don't go click them and then you learn about what is actually going on and how you're not negatively impacting the the fish population and you're positively impacting the environment by creating a economic um, reason <laughs> um, for the folks to preserve these fish environments because then they can collect them for the aquarium trade as opposed to just mining or, or washing them out some other way. So um, I just encourage folks that are like, wait, he's talking about bringing fish in from the wild. I am. And um, I believe after studying this and talking to people that collect and knowing the industry and the, the pipelines and all that pretty well, that it's actually not a bad thing. I think it, it's net positive in the end. Kids Aquatics throwing down 10 bucks. Hey, Bob, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for the super chat. As always, was there a comment? Oh, yes, there is Pippi Longstocking. This is my favorite sticker of all time. I don't know why, but it always tickles my funny bone. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. I appreciate you. Everett Co. any tips on treating green water naturally? I haven't been successful keeping Daphnia. The way I usually do it is I turn off the light for a couple weeks. So that works for me. Now, they're not in complete darkness. I don't like fully black out the tank or anything. But I find that after a couple weeks, um, if it's green water, it's usually gone by then. Another thing that helps is if you have water sprites. So let's say you do that and you kill off all the green water. Well, most of it. There's still going to be a little bit. But you can't tell, right? It's clear enough you can't even tell. If you put in a real quickly growing plant like water sprite, and then you turn your light back on, what you're going to do is that water sprite is quickly going to um, start uptaking the nutrients that the green water was feeding on. And it can prevent the boom, the bloom, the green water bloom from happening again. So I find quick growing plants like water sprite to be great at helping me combat um, green water. 
Max, CPDs are described as shrimp safe, but mine tore all my cherry shrimp to shreds. Don't put it past the guppies to not eat the shrimp. Oh, yeah, these were baby guppies, though. So as adults, they might, especially during molt. But um, he said they were baby guppies. So I was picturing little, you know, little, little guys. Wow. And Max, I'm sorry to hear that because that's an anomaly. I've seen uh, lots of people successful with shrimp and CPDs. Sorry, it didn't work for you. And, and that's, you know, all, all I'm telling you is what works for me or what I've seen work for others or, um, or based on my experience with different things like, yeah, that should work, right? But I'm just one dude. Like if, just because it worked in my tank doesn't mean it won't work in yours and vice or that it will work in yours and vice versa, right? Every tank's its own unique environment. And depending on how it's set up or what stimulus there is and things like that, um, a fish can act one way in one tank. You catch it, you literally move it one tank over and it can, it can act completely differently. So there's, yeah, <laughs> it keeps it really interesting. There's always something to learn and, um, there's always something to fail at, <laughs> which means there's always something to, to learn and get better at, which keeps the hobby interesting for me. Susan for SLC Aquatics. Thanks, Dan. You are a world of info. Well, hey, you're welcome. Hopefully it's useful info. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Consider the source. <laughs> Susan, I appreciate you. Thanks to the Fish Fam mom for being here and throwing down $4.99. Dave Foster, I just purchased my first ever Congo spotted from you just now. I'm so excited. It is going in a 55-gallon planted tank. It is definitely a bucket list achievement for me. Just want to say thanks. Hey, you're welcome. So you got the last one. And he's he's good. He's he's so I, I held back a few, not because there's any problems, because they were just smaller than the rest, and I've been feeding them heavy for the last few weeks. And um, you're getting one of those. He's fat and sassy now, so I think you'll like him. And thanks. Thanks for purchasing from dancefish.com. Keeps the lights on. Lunatic Fringe. Wallace Acromus Lamprologus, the Congo, the West African Lamprologus, okay. And Telegramma species generally are all nice rivering cichlids of Africa. People tend to generalize all African cichlids as being Rift Valley. Yeah, I mean, basically the term African cichlids means Rift Valley cichlid, right? And just that's what that's what it means in the hobby but you're right there's all kinds of uh riverine or <laughs> africa is a big continent and lake malawi tanganyika and victoria are only three lakes on the entire continent so you're right i i, I agree chewy or lunatic fringe now mickey m by the way i think the fundal panchak spore and burr guy is a killie um no one knows where nigeria was collected awesome fish what oh wait no one knows Sporin Burgai's uh, type locality. So this does happen sometimes where there are fish that came in the hobby undocumented and we just don't know exactly where they are. So the issue there, of course, is if, if we don't maintain them in the hobby and we lose them, we might not ever find them again because their habitat could be wiped out before we even are able to find it again. That, that can happen. Habitat loss is a real thing. It's happening. So I'm not trying to get political here. 
<laughs> but as a fish hobbyist, this concerns me. Just the rate at which so rainbow habitats right now. Um, my supplier and um, Hans Evers and uh, Gary Lang and these these people go out in the wild to find rainbow fish and collect them and study them and learn about them and, and breed them and distribute them to us and all this stuff, right? And time and time again, what happens is they'll go, they'll find the fish, it's awesome, they'll go back a year or two later, it's gone because the entire habitat has been bulldozed or turned into a palm oil plantation or gold mining operation took place there. So what's happening in these countries is as roads are being built, people are able to access more fish habitat and discover them and find them and learn more about them, right? But it also gives access to industry. And um, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be anti-industry or anything like that. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not taking a stance on it other than to say that um, there's a lot of treasures that we have access to right now as far as like fish, living organisms, right? That if we don't keep them going in the hobby, they're not going to exist for our kids. They're just not because there's no place to get more of them. So it, my hat's off to all those folks that with killifish and with uh, the, the different live bearers and the rainbow fish and all these fish that come from these small distinct habitats that are easily destroyed. My hat's off to everyone that's doing their best to preserve them because I, man, I just hate to think of all the fish I have access to right now that my kids and grandkids are honestly not probably in all reality. If I look at, you know, just in my head, I, I think of a statistical bell curve. Like what are the odds that that fish is going to be around for my kids? And it's like, eh, not high in a lot of cases. It's a little bit sad. There are some folks like Greg Sage and, and Gary Lang and others that are in my supplier, I'm happy to say, that are working really hard to, to make it happen. So, so my rainbow fish supplier is, is uh, the collecting partner of Hans Evers, the former editor of Amazonas Magazine. And his mission is he's going out and they're finding these rainbow fish and he's bringing them back and breeding them and keeping the lines pure in things. Basically, it's a rainbow fish preservation project. And because of that, um, we're, I'm able to get in some amazing rainbow fish, just stuff that you don't normally see. But it's pretty tenuous because if his if he's the only guy that's doing it or his business is the only one uh, that, that's doing it for these species, then all it takes is him going out of business or one big weather event, you know, that comes in natural disaster that affects him in his, his breeding facility or whatever. And a lot of these won't be available anymore. So I, I'm really pleased to work with someone that's working hard to preserve fish and to try to bring them in and make sure that they get to people in a nice, healthy state so they can be bred and distributed. Um, the Pseudomilgill reticulatus that we were able to get in a couple months ago is one good example of that. Just that's, that's a fish that really needs help. So anyway, I'll, I'll get off my high horse here, but this stuff's important to me.
All right, it's about eight o'clock. Let's do our scud giveaway, and then we will get the hashtag ready for rock and fish and the hundred dollar gift certificate. So for now, the giveaway for scuds we have one hundred and thirty five eligible users, and the winner is Catfish Terry. Catfish Terry, you have won a group of scuds. Which I think is pretty cool. Of course, now that there's a hundred dollar gift certificate thrown in there by Rock and Fish, the Scud giveaway is like, yeah, it's all right, because <laughs> the gift certificate is so cool. But you've won. You've got about oh, I don't know, a minute and a half or so to chime in. Let us know you're here, and um, and yeah, then we'll we'll tell you how to get your winnings. Once that's done. Oh, wait, there it is. Catfish Terry. Yeehaw. All right, Catfish Terry. Congratulations. If you just send me an email with your first and last name and your mailing address to dan at dansfish.com, then I will send you those probably Monday. If Monday's crazy, crazy busy and I've got the import and everything, oh, it's going to be busy. Monday or Wednesday for arrival on Tuesday or um, Thursday of next week. But I'll, I'll, I'll get with you on that. We'll figure all that out. So, now we're going to create a new giveaway, and this is going to be for the gift certificate. So I'm just going to call this Rockin' Fish to thank David. So if you would like to be entered to win a $100 gift certificate to dancefish.com, enter hashtag Rockin' Fish, provided by Dave from this, the Rockin' Fish YouTube channel. Thanks again, Dave, for doing that. I really appreciate it. Um, I like Dave's videos because they're short and sweet. And if it's like you're trying to find what a fish looks like, like, I don't know. What's what's a, what's another good one? Yeah. Let's say you want some pseudotrophies ACI, right? And you want to see what they actually look like when they aren't like a perfect, well-edited picture. Then you can go here and um, you can see what they look like, right? I like those yellow tails on those ACI. That's nice. So anyway, that's that's one thing I really like about uh, what Dave's doing. So you want a hundred dollar gift certificate? Enter hashtag Rock and Fish, and we'll draw that a little later tonight. Thanks again, Dave, for doing that. And I'm I'm sorry, guys, that that's not on the thumbnail um, or anything because it, it's kind of a last minute addition. <laughs> Dave and I arranged this like ten minutes before we went live. So <laughs> I I would have liked to put it on the thumbnail just to give Dave or, or Rock and Fish a little more credit, but um, <clears throat> but it was too late. So we got it in the description. Everyone contact your exes, your ex-girlfriend, your ex-boyfriend, whatever, and get them in here so we can get Rock and Fish a good turnout. I have to say exes. Corey already took call your grandma. So for me, it's call your exes. <laughs> Oh, yeah, hang on. Crowns Half Moon, awesome advice on Rams. Didn't think that can work. Yeah, I think the competition is pretty important for the Rams. And lots of dwarf cichlids. Okay. Wow, I'm way behind. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> Crowns Half Moon, any advice on how to remove seed shrimp from a Daphnia culture? Ooh, it's overrun. Also, what fishes can eat them? Mm. Sea shrimp are tough, like literally and figuratively. <laughs> like they are basically a shell that swims. And they're so small that not 
many fish that are like a puffer could eat them, but they're too small, right? A puffer's not going to be interested. So I'm trying to think. I I honestly don't know of any fish that would just gorge on on seed shrimp. Um, one way you might be able to help with that is throw some scuds in the tank. That sounds weird. Oh no, it's a Daphnia culture. Never mind. What I've noticed though, why I'm saying that is when I have scuds in a tank, I don't see seed shrimp. But when I remove the scuds a couple weeks later, I'll see a whole bunch of seed shrimp. So the scuds are keeping the seed shrimp population in check. But you have a Daphnia culture, so you probably don't want to add scuds to it. Um, although maybe that would be a perfect combo. But anyway, I don't know. I haven't done that yet. Um, the thing that will kill seed shrimp is a, a substance. You could call it a medicine if you want called Dimolin X. Uh, let me see if I can show you this. X eBay, like on eBay. Okay. So here it is. This is called Dimolin X. And it, what it does is it um, prevents organisms like seed shrimp and crustaceans basically from molting. So it, I'm, I haven't tried it on seed shrimp, but I, it should work. The problem is it'll kill your Daphnia too. So what you'd what you'd have to do is somehow take out some Daphnia, put in the Dimolinex, kill all the seed shrimp, and then reseed the culture once you've removed the Dimolinex from the water column. I don't know. That doesn't sound like a good way to do it. I, it's the only way I can think of that could work. Yeah. That's that's the only thing, Crowntail, I can think of that would work for sure. Andy Gironi. Oh, and by the way, um, according to HC Aqua, he uses Dimolin X, but he has to use like three times the, the suggested amount. So you might have to do a pretty powerful dose to get it to work. Andy Gironi, I live in Cheyenne if you need to hunker down. Andy, good to know. Actually, I remember that about you. So, um, yeah, if I get absolutely stuck, I'll... I'll have your emails from before so i'll look you up <laughs> and be like hey where's that couch <laughs> thanks andy i appreciate it and how is it right now in cheyenne andy um is it as bad as i said Ugh. yeah it's gonna be an interesting drive against the flow could you give me an idea of your water parameters like ph and tds yeah um so Instead of telling you TDS, I'm going to tell you what my, my carbonate hardness is, because that's the, the one that I think matters within TDS. And it's like two grains, um, two degrees German hardness, which means basically very, very soft, almost no hardness, no carbonate hardness in my water. So I have very soft water and the pH is going to be, I don't know, call it around neutral, it fluctuates this way, not a tiny bit. Um, I don't really worry about it anymore. Um, I know it's soft. I know the pH fluctuates a little bit. The pH is not something that really concerns me that much, honestly, in an aquarium. Um, unless it's like, oh, it just crashed. Then maybe. Then maybe it can indicate that what happened a little bit. But I don't find pH to be that useful of a parameter. So I, I generally go with hardness. In TDS, I don't find it to be a useful parameter because it's not 
it doesn't tell you what the hardness is from. So calcium carbonate, um, if you measure that, that's a pretty useful parameter. So I have really soft water and pH around neutral. Now in the warehouse, it'll be a little different. I'll have access to some harder water. Um, so that means I'm pretty excited to try some harder water stuff, some more live bearers. Um, I don't know how into reflex cichlids I would ever get, but it's a possibility. I like them. I've never got them here because my water's soft and I don't think that's fair to them. Um, it's not that it's cruel or anything. They just wouldn't enjoy it as much, I don't think. And I think that in order to do like reflex cichlids, you need to like really do it. You can't bring in like one or two. You gotta have like a, a lot of them, so. I don't know if I'll get that serious into them, but there's a lot of live bearers that I think I can do well um, in the warehouse because they'll have harder water. <clears throat> Bold Mama from Swampy Acres, we're looking at getting some scuds. All right, we came to the right place. I mean, Catfish Cherry took them, but you know. Orange Guns, how many scuds could you get for 100 bucks? A few. <laughs> at least half a dozen. <laughs> Ginger Graves, hey Ginger, I hope you're doing well, lady. Good to hear from you. The wisdom on Dan, there's always something else to fail at. I need that on a shirt. Oh, actually, yeah. He'll <laughs> have been lurking while driving home. Always a pleasure. All right, drive safe, Ginger. Good to hear from you. There's always something else to fail at. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, life is good when when you can still fail at something. <laughs> I'm not doing a very good job. <laughs> I'm failing at this, but I'm in my mind I'm like I want to like like jot down little phrases and stuff that that could be fun to put on a sticker with an image or um I don't know on a t-shirt or a hat or just, I don't know. It's like our own private jokes, right? It's just fun. Okay, scrolling down to look for the next one. Woo, lots of rock and fish hashtags. That's where I'm at. <laughs> if you're wondering how far behind I am, what is that, 10 minutes roughly? Sean, AKA Fish A-holic. Is it okay to put a betta with a German ram trying to free up a 10 gallon for shrimp only tank, thanks. Sean, I think you could try it. Um, I would have a plan B, a German ramp. So they're not paired off, so they're probably not defending a territory. And it also might depend a little bit on if your bed is a long fin variety or a short fin like placat type. Um, I find the long fin variety tend to get picked on a little more it doesn't mean it won't work, but just that long flowing finnage is just so tempting for a fish. It's, it's like a, it's like a fish lure. If you're spin fishing in a lake or something, right? Same kind of thing. Um, but it could work. I just have a plan B ready. I think the temperatures that uh, like German blue rams and bettas like higher temperatures. So that's not a problem. And they personality wise, they could work, but both those species, have such different pers personalities in each fish or each environment that it's not a hundred percent guaranteed. So I would say your chances are around, I, I put them in like 80, 85% that it would work, but I'd have a plan B ready just in case it didn't. It also depends like 
have you had that ram in there for a long time? Is it is that like its territory so that any other fish that goes in there is it's going to see as a threat, you know? That could be something to overcome. And a way to overcome that would be to uh, just float the bed in the tank for a few days before you like let it out with the ram. So you could use like a large chorus net, just put the bed in there. You could use a breeding trap. You could use lots of things, but just so they can kind of see each other and get over that initial like, hey, this is my space and get used to the fact that they're just both there for a couple days before you let them out. That can help quite a bit. Peeps, lost sheep. It won't help in a culture, sorry, but I see my scarlet bat is chasing down seed shrimp pretty regularly. Oh, that's good to know. Do they actually swallow them? Because I've seen lots of fish try to eat seed shrimp, ostracods, right? Um, so they go to eat them, and like if I watch them carefully, they like eat them. But if I keep watching, like a minute later, they go, they give up and they spit it out. But scarlet baddies might be an option. They are little micro predators. Um, it's as good a suggestion as I've heard. Yeah. And I, I'm not saying that they're not eating them. I'm just wondering if you've watched them like long term while they're eating. But th that's a good suggestion, though, I think. It's better than anything I thought of. <clears throat> hey, Scott Backer. Good to see you, man. Hope you're doing well over in uh, <laughs> sunny Gillette. <clears throat> it's a tropical beach over there. Day, though. Did your Bolivian orange lemon tetras I got come from Bolivia? I'm curious because my adopted daughter came from Bolivia. Oh, that's a cool connection. No, these were bred in aquariums by um, the same guy that breeds my rainbow fish, actually. Um, but the, the original stock came from Bolivia. So basically what happens is Hans Evers went to Bolivia and he wrote an article on this in Amazonas where they found this new fish. And I, okay, I haven't read it for a while, but if I remember right, Hans Evers went and collected them, found them, right? And um, the breeder I got them from is his collecting partner. So Hans will often find new species or new variants of a species, send them to my supplier to be bred. My supplier will breed them and then, then I can get them and distribute them. That's kind of how that chain works. And that's not the only source, but... Um, oh, I'd have to reread that article. But I'm, I'm going to say that that's probably what happened. Stefan P2003, okay, if 2KH is low soft, is my water at 7 DKH considered hard? Oddly, I have 0 GH in my tap. Um, I don't think 7 DKH is that hard at all. Like 2 DKH, um, actually DKH, I'm not sure. Mine is German hardness is what I was saying. KH is something completely different than German hardness. So minus two degrees German hardness. Um, I don't know the DKH degrees. I don't know that scale well enough to just tell off the top of my head if that's the same type of scale as German hardness, um, something else. And I could be getting this totally wrong. All I know, <laughs> here's what I know. I tested mine. It was two degrees um, German hardness. And um, that came in at like super soft when I, cons when I converted it to parts per million. Um, and then I forgot everything else about it because I knew what I needed to know about my water. So, yeah. 
So can someone else chime in? 7DKH. What's that? Is that considered hard or not? I just don't know enough about the that's DKH. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. Runhouse Aquatics, you will love Neolamprologus Pulcher. Oh yeah, I like ne- I like all kinds of Neolamprologus and Lamprologus. They're my th- like Lake Tanganyika, I absolutely love. So, so this is sometimes called a daffodil. It's it's similar to a burchardi. Um cool little fish. I like Burchardi. I like poultures, Le Lupi, a lot of the shell dwellers, all that stuff. Um, yeah, they're cool fish. Orange cones, you need a chat just jumped on me mug. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, chat just jumped on me. And when the warehouse is done. <laughs> Crown tail half moon. Hang on. My brain's still trying to unscramble DGH and, and DKH. Sometimes when I'm in front of a camera live like this, it just doesn't. Yeah, it's not. It's not coming to me. I'm sorry. Hopefully someone else can answer your question. I feel like I should be able to answer it because that's so easy. But it's been so long that, yeah, I, I'd mislead you. Crown Tail Half Moon. Ram question. Do you think I could add more females to the 15 gallon tank in hopes to solidify current pair bond or will the male breed with other female as well? Um, the male might breed with other females. I don't know if that's a bad thing, but yeah, I think if you add another female, it would increase the pair bond. Yeah. Yeah, they're pretty. So what I've seen is when I have groups of rams, I've seen several pairs form drop down to the substrate, claim little patches of spawning territory, and kind of just go back and forth. And then there was like a group of unpaired rams above them. I don't think I've ever tried just a pair with extra females. I think that would work for you, but I've never tried it, so I I don't know for sure. Peaceless sheep. I've watched the Scarlet Baddest long term. Cool. So this sounds like a solution. Um, I really enjoy just sitting and watching them hunt. The younger ones spit them out, but the adults seem to have no problem. All right, there you go. The Scarlet Baddest or other Dario species probably might be a solution for keeping the ostracods under control. Of course, they'll eat the Daphnia too. That's the rub, but um, that's good to know. I didn't know that, Peepslaw Sheep. I've never seen a fish successfully hunt and eat ostracods or um, seed shrimp. So that is good to know. Wichita Falls, degrees of, okay. So DKH, he's just saying it's degrees of carbonate hardness. What What I'm having trouble with is, okay, I can do this here, but see, I know that is parts per million. So is seven degrees carbonate hardness considered hard? Let me just ask that. That's that's the real question. Because um, I don't I don't know how many parts per million that is in my head. Florida Fish Rescue had to go put in laundry. Did I win the million dollars yet? <laughs> you did, but you didn't chime in, so we had to give it to someone else. I'm sorry. <laughs> Haven't drawn it yet. All right. So, yeah. So, degrees German hardness, right, is different than degrees 
KH, right? Carbon hardness. Is that is that correct? I honestly don't remember. I just learned enough about it to understand my water. And once I knew it, I was like, okay, I know about my water. And I forgot the terms. All right. Eric Rodriguez. Hey, to the show. Hope you're all good. I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, it's doing well. Um, okay. So now that we all know that I know very little about the scales of hardness in water, I think we're probably going to wrap this up. Let's do the last giveaway here for the $100 gift certificate. And then, oh, wait, wait, here we go. David, thank you. David Wycliffe, one degree carbonate hardness is defined as 17 point, let's call it 18 milligrams of calcium carbonate per liter. Okay, so that would be milligrams per liter. Wouldn't that be parts per thousand? Oh, he's saying that's about 18 parts per million. Okay, so that's, that's pretty darn light. So you would have... 18 times seven. So let's, what's that? Cause there's no way I'm doing math in my head live without screwing up. So you're looking at about 126 parts per million um, of calcium hardness at seven DKH. I don't think that's super hard. Honestly, I think that's kind of a decent hardness zone somewhere between one and two uh, parts per million of calcium hardness. I think that's enough that you'll get good minerals, you know, into your fish. Um, there'll be enough calcium for them and snails and stuff to uptake, but not so hard that it's like going to clog all your equipment. So yeah. Thanks David for clarifying that. And now that I know what that is in parts per million, I'm going to say that that's seven DKH is, is a good generally, a good amount of hardness. Cool. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you looking that up for me. Kelly Foreman did it as well. So everyone that chimed in on that, Ron Foss, looks like a lot of people uh, were able to chime in on that. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. But yeah, I think uh, anywhere from like 100 to 200, and you're at like, what was that, 126 or something? That sounds great to me, somewhere around there. All right. Steven saying calcium or calcium carbonate. It's it's calcium carbonate is what that's measuring. It's not just calcium. Um, it's calcium carbonate. If I remember it, the chemical formula, right? Okay. All right. We're going to do the last drawing here and we're going to shut it down because we've reached the bottom of the chat. Boom. We actually did it. We're on a roll here. Wait, Steven is saying me confuzzled. Did I confuzzle you? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to confuzzle you. Um, bottom line is this. Apparently, from what people are saying, the conversion is 7DKH equals, what, around 120, 126, something like that, parts per million of calcium carbonate, right? Carbonate hardness in water. And I think anywhere from like 100 parts per million to 200 parts per million is pretty nice. So the question was if that was super hard water. And now that I know the conversion to PPM, parts per million, I don't think so. I, th I think that's a, a good hardness. I wouldn't call that really hard. Okay. Steven. Oh, he's good now. Cool. All right. So thanks to everyone that helped uh, make that conversion to parts per million because that's kind of how I know hardness. 
it's, I forget all the, there's so many different scales of it. Um, there's the conductivity, there's the D, uh, German harness, DKH, there's all different scales. So parts per million, if I can figure that out, I can help you. <laughs> okay, to the giveaway. $100 gift certificate from Rock and Fish. Thanks to Dave from Rock and Fish. This is Dave's channel. So if you want quick little videos showing off lots of different species, this is a good place to go peruse. And let's draw the winner. $100 gift certificate, excuse me, to dancefish.com from Rock and Fish. The winner is Steven <laughs> P. 2003. Um, you've got a minute and a half to chime in, Stephen. Let us know that you're here, and then we'll get you that gift certificate. So, awesome. Oh, I'm going to finish this water. This feels good. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure Stephen is here since he just chatted a second ago. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right, while, oh, yes, there he is, OMG, yes. All right, Stephen, so congratulations. Uh, send me an email with your first and last name to dan at dancefish.com. Actually, I never mind. Yeah, actually, that'll help. Send me your email, I'll make the curious certificate to you and um, get you that uh, gift certificate. Now, let's talk timeline. So when this is done, I've got to finish prepping some tanks for the import from Nigeria. Then I've got to get to bed because I've got to get up super early tomorrow so I can make the grueling drive through a blizzard to the Denver airport, pick the fish up, drive back, acclimate them all, get them all settled and stuff. So I'm going to have in prep for all the shipping on Monday. So for the next few days, <laughs> I'm going to be super busy. So. I'm going to commit, Stephen, to getting you that gift certificate out, let's say, by the end of next week, just because I have a feeling that for the next seven days or so, I'm going to be, like, so busy that I'll be lucky to get a chance to, like, you know, shower and eat and <laughs> remember my name. So, um, but please just send me the email, and I'll get that in the queue, but it's going to be pretty crazy for a little while. Did T-Shot throw money at me? T-Shot throwing down $2 with a teamwork sign. Yeah. <laughs> when Dan's brain is stupid, it's nice to have you guys backing me up. Thanks, T-Shot. Thanks, everybody that uh, helped convert that to PPM because my brain wasn't doing it. All right. Jan Dan chortled. Yeah. Yep. Luckily, I chortled out of my mouth this time. That's always better. All right. With that, I want to thank all my moderators. Thanks for being you. Thanks for everything you do. Thanks for helping every week to make this stream, you know, successful. I, I, I have a good time here and I couldn't have a good time and be responsive if I had to moderate all the chats. So thanks for doing that. Thanks to everyone that threw money at me. We appreciate the super chats. Always appreciated, never required, but they do make my wife super happy and they do help out. So I appreciate it. Everyone that left comments and questions, thanks for being part of this and making it lively. Thanks to Rock and Fish for the $100 gift certificate. That's cool. And we will be back next Wednesday, same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, oh wait, hail the lurker nation. If you're watching on the replay, hi. Anyway, until next Wednesday, I hope you have a good one. Bye-bye.